In every ghetto, every city, there are lost ones. We dream of sitting pretty. Nothing even matters if we can't tell what's right or wrong. Quite clearly, Adam lives in theory and believes everything is everything. Until I tell him he's not killing me softly with his song. Mr. Intentional followed the conquering lion. From O Jerusalem to Zion. He was mesmerised and thought, I can't take my eyes off you. Forgive him, father, said the door. Every superstar boyfriend was just like what? They each had the X Factor. And were so easy to see through. I used to love him, said Pebble. I find it hard to say, Rebel. She had so many, so much things to say about her Rolling Stone. I remember how the mystery of iniquity would jump on me if I was ready or not. In a vicious circle, I just want you around, so I'm never alone. From the intro to the outro, or the countdown to zero, or the final hour. In freedom time, I've got to find my peace of mind. The miseducation of Lauren Hill taught me how to do up that thing. And when it hurts so bad, I get out and leave it behind. In the words of Public Enemies Chuck D., Bring the noise. Element Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this, this is what's good. It's good to be back once again. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. What's good with Charlie Taylor? Episode three. Now, it's been a while for me in terms of recording because, well, that's the life segment. So, so we'll get into that as as soon as possible bit of housekeeping uh, want to give any questions any opinions can hit up the email the fifth element pub at gmail.com fifth element uk chili charlie on t on twitter chili charlie 22 on the instagram fifth element magazine on facebook all the links in that are in the description below so if you have any thoughts want to share the show preferably <laughs> uh, you know just if you want to share some of the details go for it go for it i, I would not be <laughs> I, I would not be unhappy about that um but let's get on with the show so for me it's been a few it's been, it's been a while in terms of recording obviously you guys got episode two last thursday and i actually recorded episode two the week before that so, basically, I recorded the first two episodes within, like, two days of each other, so... And then, obviously, stretched the second one onto the next week. So, it's been a while for me in terms of recording. And, well, I'll tell you why. Because this is the live segment. So, this has been my past couple of weeks. I'm going to try to go chronologically because that's how I like to do things and just makes life easier in terms of telling the story. So two weeks ago, got the words, oh, I was moving house, M- moving out, we moving out, moving on up. And I actually went to the, pl- I went to the new house met the people there, it was just this old couple, they're actually moving to Bulgaria of all places, to, like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> don't know why you want to go to Bulgaria, but sure, fine, by all means, each their own, and obviously they needed to shift as soon as possible. So, we were locked down for our house, and we finally got our house sold. The date was 30th of November, that was our moving date excuse me, and the days before, 
were pretty hectic, I guess, in a, in a word, pretty hectic, because obviously we had a lot of packing to do. We kind of half packed and then didn't pack and then started packing again because we just had a lot of back and forth, you know, it's just sometimes we had the house on lock, sometimes it fell through, you know, this happened a few times and we've been trying to sell the house for over, I think, two years now, pretty much, so it's obviously been a, it's been, it's been a long, 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 long attempt at trying to sell the house and actually obviously get a new house so we finally got the house sorted everything's locked up actually even on the day it was quite not locked up because my mum hit me my mum basically went to me going I just got a phone call saying we have to push back the move date a week and then an hour later the estate agents called again and going actually no it's fine it's, it's fine 30th of November yep 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 let's do it let's do it it's, it's all good now <laughs> That's literally how that's literally how it always went. It was just you know, uh, okay, okay, we're good. No, 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 we're not good. Oh, there's always there's there was always something holding everybody back. So, but we finally got it. So, come to the move-in day, thirty for November. We have we still have a lot to pack. The couple of days before we cleared out the attic, which has a lot of stuff, a lot of nostalgia stuff. A lot of nostalgia stuff. So we decided to have a nostalgia Christmas. What do I mean by nostalgia Christmas? Basically, we just went through the boxes of stuff we had as as kids, me and my sister anyway, and just went through them and see if we if we wanted them, if we didn't want them, just basically delegate, you know, just just delegate everything. I found a Thunderbird stuff in there. Mate, if you don't know about Thunderbirds. Tsh- peak for you honestly <laughs> I found uh, I found my high school yearbook I found my high school like last day shirt where everyone signed it and stuff like that I found some primary school stuff I found a notebook that I was that apparently according to myself <laughs> I, I, I totally forgot about this honestly but when I saw the box and I saw this notebook it was a notebook of primary school stuff and I was flipping through it, and basically it just had everybody's signatures from when I left primary school, and also some of their details, whether it was email, phone number, or even address, and I was just like, well, this is very adult of me, when I when I actually, when I was looking through it now as a 22-year-old, I was, I was like looking through it going, this is mad adult of me, wow, this is great, I, I can't believe I was this, I, I don't even do that stuff, I barely do that stuff now, like... That was that was amazing. I was a networker back in the day. <laughs> Where did that go? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of a lot of nice stuff. Found a floppy disk in there. Found a yeah, found a lot of nice stuff. Um, VHSs, tons of VHSs. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quite. That was, that was the more fun part of moving, uh, going through all the stuff as a U that I had as a U. My sister had as a fifth. Well. A, a 15 year old 16 year old you know her teenage stuff as well so that was the fun part and then obviously we came to the moving day so how the day went was that we were scheduled to move in to our new place officially get the keys around 2 p.m some somewhere in the area so we had all all morning to figure for, to figure our stuff out basically just you know get our shit together basically the thing that was a major hindrance well there was a lot of major hindrances and you'll get we'll get that we'll get to that in a bit but the first obstacle i guess that we that we realized was the fact that we only had one van one trip okay so obviously we try and get all the main stuff in and we did we did we got we got the chairs in got the tables in got the chairs got the dining table all that all that all that good stuff and the basically that was going fine as far as i knew you know i was i was, I was basically downstairs most of the time my sister was upstairs still packing she has a lot of stuff and my mum was trying to go back and forth between the new house and the old house, going to the dump, 
to get rid of stuff. We had a lot of stuff to get rid of. So everyone was trying to do stuff and I was trying to like just, I, I don't know, in my mind I was trying to like keep it together and just, you know, just to make sure that the movers were getting the right stuff through and if they needed help or whatever and, you know, wrapping up as much stuff as possible. Just, just basically just trying to get all the small bits together, you know what I mean? So that's basically what we're trying to do. It was going fine for most of the time. But then came later in the day where we, you know, there was more more stuff that we realised we haven't cleaned out. We didn't clean out under the stairs yet. We didn't clean out some of some of the kitchen. All, you know, we, we didn't clean out. Obviously, we didn't clean out the fridge and the freezer. We'd preferably do that last because it's fridge and freezer stuff. It's food. You don't want to just have it sitting in a box for <laughs> sitting in a freezer bag for a couple of hours you know what I mean so obviously we left all that till last but we also left you know a cupboard in the conservatory that was that had nothing in it the garage was barely touched other than my sister's stuff so we had a lot of um a lot of tools and paint and you know a mower and a cartridge pressure washer we had all that we had all that stuff still to go so you know to do all this in four four hours or so is obviously a big task so it comes to, you know, the, the sun's coming down, it's about 4 or 5 p.m. And we've officially got the keys, you know, the the old couple's gone. They're, they're gone. They're, they're, they're very, in my mind, they're in Bulgaria right now. It don't matter. It don't matter where they are, but they're gone. So we're left with, the, we're left with our new house, and now we're getting calls from the new, uh, the, the new owners of our old, of our now old house. This couple is a very young couple, you know, just the classic millennial couple. You know, they have a new, they have a newborn kid, and they're obviously looking for a home to, you know, grow the kid in. You know, you've seen the, you've seen the moving adverts where the, you know, the old, the old person's gone, and now it's the new kid going up the stairs. You've seen the advert, so it's, it's that, ba- it's that basic first-time buyer family. That's basically what it is. So they're starting to text my mum, phone up my mum, going, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. And obviously we're not. We still have the garage to do. We still have under the stairs to do. We still have to clean out the fridge and freezer. And we still have about 10 or so boxes, give or take, in my mother's room. So, yeah, a lot to to do still. This is where it gets a bit mentally break broken down for me where I kind of just start stressing out and when when I'm stressed out some of you have experienced this if you're at uni if you're at uni with me and we did that studio uh, studio show that was a that was a kind of pressure I don't I don't want ever again and this was kind of the same so when I'm in this moment of extreme pressure and you know I have, I always have like two emotions basically just like, just fighting each other and I'm trying to keep them both down. So I have this, I want to cry and I want to punch something. (laughs) That's basically the two emotions I have throughout for the next few hours. I just, I want to punch something. I just want to basically just burn the house down. Fuck it, burn the house down. (laughs) And, um, And also I just want to get into my new house and get something to eat and then cry for the rest of the night that's that's well that's the two things I want to do in these moments in these few hours of 4 p.m to 8 p.m that's what I want to do I obviously can't so at this time the I'm hoovering the place down I'm obviously you know got to clean up the place got to make it look nice for the people to to come in so they can move their stuff in so I'm hoovering the whole house up and down I've done it and I look outside the new the young couple's here I call up my mum. Mum, the young couple's here. She goes, okay, that's fine. It's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine in my head. But she goes, it's fine. Just to let him in, give him the keys or whatever, and just... Nah, 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 nah. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I come through with the hoover. Everything's echoing. And that's kind of adding on to my madness. The whole the whole house is echoing because it's so empty. And I introduced myself, going like, "Yep, yep, hi, how you doing? Yeah, you wait, you waiting on? Okay, you're waiting on the movers. They're waiting on the movers. So they 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 basically come in, 
and I'm just trying to move everything in the conservatory so they can move their stuff in. That's ba- that's basically my plan now. I have to. That's my that's my you know plan B basically. Move everything to conservatory and hopefully the family comes back to get me. Because <laughs> at this point I just feel abandoned because you know they. I don't know what they were doing obviously, but I highly assume that they were preoccupied trying to get all the boxes and put them somewhere you know this is we are in a smaller house we have downsized technically so you know there there are there isn't much space exacerbated by the fact that the people who have moved out the old couple have left stuff to fill half the garage and they still and to this uh, this time of recording still have stuff filling half the garage including plant pots which i'm wondering why it's in a garage they're plant pots stick them outside <laughs> but that's neither here nor there so i'm having a mental breakdown trying to move everything to conservatory and then at this point my mum comes back and we're shifting some stuff not everything just and everything just keeps coming you know just everything's still there there's still stuff there and i'm still freaking out and then the movers for the young couple. Now, the young couple have literally an army behind them. They have, I guarantee, I, I shit you not, 10 people. Like, they have their family and mothers and fathers. And they have, like, a, I swear, like a five strong moving, uh, moving in, like, men, basically, mover men. They've got at least five, six strong. So. They have the absurd numbers. We have us three and two movers from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I forgot. I, I think I guess Romania or something else. But yeah, I digress. So they ask me, the, the mover men, the five strong mover men, they ask me if I want some help. And I'm like, yes, please. Yes. Give me help. Give me anything. <laughs> um, so... I'm I'm getting this quick reprieve. I'm I'm, I'm like okay okay this this can this can work. They they can they can move my stuff. They can move the stuff, and you know it's all there. So I know what I know what I need to delegate. What's what's going in the g- rubbish? What's going to the dump? What's not? What are we taking? They then start to actually before I carry on, for people that have moved in. Uh, moved out of it, moved into a new house. Uh, you know, some of you, I guess, you, you've you know the experience. Do you you know that people, you know, obviously leave stuff. You know, they they leave stuff here and there, and obviously you correspond in the months before, and you say, "Do you want this sofa? Do you want this mattress? Do you want this anything?" And they obviously say what they want, and then you agree on a ballpark price, and they just basically pay for the stuff. You know, just just just. Good old merchant, you know, handshake. Here's some money. We'll have the. We'll 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 take some of this stuff off your hands. The the young couple and the mover men, their mover men, start to move out everything. I literally mean everything, as if our house was a crime scene. They move out every painting. Every mirror, every everything that had our, you know, hypothetical name on it, they moved out everything. So they start moving all these paintings, all these mirrors, my freaking mattress, they even move out in the, into the conservatory. And they just, you know, we obviously don't talk about it, but I'm basically looking at them as they walk away into the into the main house going do you expect me to carry a fucking mattress are you taking the piss so the rage is coming through just a little bit just a little bit i'm trying to i'm trying to keep cool getting a bit of getting some passive aggressive you know you know just just getting passive aggressive just just keep it just keeping cool just keep it cool and yeah so they basically move everything as if our house is a crime scene and everything must go everything must be cleaned everything basically just everything's gone and i'm fully raging in my head because i'm like i i did not sign up to move out my freaking mattress 
So this, as the time is recording, my old mattress is actually outside our house, waiting for the council to pick it up. That this, this is how it's go- this is how it's gone. They we had a lot of stuff to begin with, and as I moved into the house, finally at like eight p.m., I realised that we have a lot of stuff, and then they added on to the stuff, stuff that we don't want. That's the thing. So they give us stuff we don't want. So we can bin it? Why don't you just take it and bin it yourself? So, at this point, it comes more of a courtesy. We actually spent a few more days going back to our old house. To clear out the garage, obviously. And, you know, at this point, we're doing it as a courtesy. You know, me and my mum said, like, you know, we'll we'll come through the garage. We'll clean it out for you. You know, and it's our stuff. It's fine. We'll clean it and put it out to the garage. Yeah, we'll take out this stuff. And obviously some stuff we actually want, like the pressure washer. We're not giving them that. For, you're joking me. So, you know, obviously more meaningful stuff we take. And some of the stuff we take to the dump. You know, courtesy. If I, f- I feel like we've been bailiffed. I feel like we've been liquidi- liquidated. That's that's basically my feeling. And, I f- uh, and, you know, my sister is more open in terms of her in terms of saying what she feels feels like saying sometimes so you know she basically says what we're all saying in our mind it feels like we've been bailiffed and we all feel a bit disrespected but obviously we can't we we can't just say that you know to them so they, they, yeah so the the night was basically just me you know, just not talking as much as possible. At this point, I'm in battery saving mode, and battery saving mode, in terms of me, is basically I say nothing, and I I say as li- little as possible. Believe that. How funny is that? I say as little as possible, and I just do what I just I just do it. I just do it. I just I just do it, and that's basically what we did. We just shifted as much as possible into my mum's piddly little Fiat 500. And my sister's friend's car, uh, a jeep of sorts. And we just do that a couple more times, and then, yeah. I didn't, I, I personally didn't leave King, well, I shouldn't really say my, my, my old address, but, (laughs) I, I mean, some of you know it, but, you know, obviously it's a bit, it's a bit awkward putting it on, you know, public domain like this, so I won't say it. Our old address, it's a bit, you know, I didn't actually fully move out of the old address until about 7 8 p.m at that point my mum and sister have been to the new house like two or three times and the first time i actually got in there was the only time i actually visited properly and actually stayed so yeah for me personally it was just kind of a ultimate stress and even the couple days afterwards was more stress because I mean, this is a very first world problem, I know, but I had no Wi-Fi or data for like three days. It's it's not it. <laughs> it's just not it, ladies and gentlemen. It, it's just ain't it. So, yeah, that's basically where I'm at now, at the new place, obviously. I have a... And, you know, I will say this. Obviously, in the short term, we felt very dejected and very depressed about everything because the move was so terrible for us you know we had an old couple that left as much shit as possible and then we had a young couple who are moving out of a flat so they have basically nothing they could have moved in at 12 p- p- midday if they really wanted to if the, if the world was perfect for them and obviously we had a lot of stuff so we were in the middle we had we they they gave us our shit that we wanted to dump anyway and then we had some old people shit that we were supposed to dump anyway. So we had the worst of both worlds. In the short term it was terrible, but you know, long term I'm fine with I'm fine with the whole you know, actual the actual moving of house, you know. I'm very minimal. I don't need much. My room at the moment as I'm looking at it right now, as I'm in my new room, it's slightly bigger than my old room, which I knew I said or any time, any possible time I could, I swear it was smaller than the pri- than a prison cell. I don't know the specific definitions for a prison cell. I haven't been in a prison cell. L- lucky me, but 
I, I, I think it was either prison cell or less than prison cell. I'm not joking. So, yeah. Uh, my room's, you know, a little bit bigger now. Just just a little, not much. I It can fit a desk. I have a black desk, a black glass desk, and it looks sexy as hell. Uh, I have several platforms here. I have my laptop in front of me, have the microphone in front of, in front of that. I have my pictures hanged up. Now, the one thing that the old couple did leave that I actually liked were the art. I did like their art. Some of it, not all of it. They have this sunset. They have these three sunset canvases above my bed now. And I love it. But yeah, the room needs a paint job. But other than that, I'm happy. In the long term, I'll be happy. And, you know, for the podcast, it'll be much better. Because I can I can record in my room. I don't have to record in the living room. And, yeah, I feel I feel good about it. So that's basically been my week, my my past two weeks. It's been stressful, and obviously I haven't been able to record until now and today. And as of recording, it's Friday, and hopefully I'll drop it the next day. So, uh, we move on to the next, move on to the next uh, subject, which is music. And I was going to talk about one subject. So I won't say what it is because I'm not doing it now. I'm going to talk about instead Lauren Hill. Miss Lauren Hill, because in the two weeks, a few days ago, as of this recording, I went to see Miss Lauren Hill at the O2 Arena in London, in North Greenwich. Now, I've had a lot of time to think about, you know, the show itself, and the aftermath of it, and, you know, people's thoughts on it, you know, I've seen on social media and stuff like that, and, you know... Obviously, going into the show, it was, is she going to be late? Yeah, 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 that's always the question. Is she going to be late? The official answer is that she was. She was 20 minutes late. But then again, that's obviously very good for, in her standards, you know, in pre, in upcome in her prior shows in the in her UK leg of the tour she was 45 minutes late in Manchester and apparently she was two and a half hours late in Birmingham. So, yeah, considering it was twenty, only twenty minutes for me. Obviously, I can I can't be mad about that. And it kind of felt and it kind of felt like that because I wish I was I was kind of thinking in my head. I feel like she should have started half an hour ago. You know that that, that was kind of the feeling in my head. So yeah, I can't. My mind kind of called it, and it, yeah, it was fine. So that was the first thing. Now, if you've been to an O2 show. You know, if you've been to an O2 concert in the O2 Arena in London, you know the acoustics ain't as good as it could be. You know, the acoustics there are a bit, yeah, they're a bit naff. You know, in, in there are so many other locations that I've been to, and the acoustics are absolutely, you know, just better in, in general. But obviously, because it's a big arena, obviously the the quality dips a little. You know, it's an arena; it just happens. That's how it goes. So. For some people, that was kind of a deal breaker for them. I was sitting, me and my sister, we were sitting at the back, basically. Not not in terms of height. We were actually in the first level, which is actually quite good. It was very good seats in my mind. You know, it was straight ahead, pretty much, give or take, to the right, centre right a little bit. And we're looking straight ahead. We're not on the highest balcony like we were for Emily Sanday last year. That was absurd literal little nosebleed seats like that was it was yeah that was a very impromptu purchase by me and yeah um yeah that was that was that was um interesting it was interesting i felt like uh, if you had vertigo you're screwed but luckily i don't so yeah for me it was good seats and overall i enjoyed the show i personally enjoyed the show i know that lauren hill has a reputation of you know, not just the lateness, but also the quality of her shows. Sometimes the quality of her shows aren't as good as they could be. Now, again, this is all in my opinion. I loved it. I I simply loved the whole thing. The support acts as well. Diggable fucking planets were there. Do you understand how gassed I got as soon as I entered the arena? And diggable freaking planets were there. Do you understand how happy I was? Honestly, I don't think anybody else in that, other than maybe the the the, the, the more the more mature audience, 
you know, and nobody was there at that point, you know, we obviously got there at like 7.30, nobody, the, the, the place wasn't packed until literally Lauren came, like, like the five minutes before Lauren came, so obviously most people had the inside scoop, but I saw some great supporting acts, and that's why I love about a good gig, you know, the support must be as good, must be as good a quality as the main, from in my opinion, because I like arriving early, I like arriving on time, and seeing the support acts, because sometimes you see some great support acts, if I went, if I wouldn't know about Little Sims, well I probably would at this point, but I wouldn't know about Little Sims, if I didn't go see Kano at the engine rooms in Southampton, and then I saw Little Sims as a support, and s- seriously, after that, I went to see Little, Little Sims, on that night, I listened to a First album, Trials of... Uh, I forgot her name. Uh, I forgot her album name. Case of Trials and Persons? Yeah, something like that. You know? And I was immediately hooked. I actually did my Spotify rap uh, yesterday. Um, Little Sims is my second most listened to artist. Above uh, Kendrick Lamar being number one. So, you know. The support means a lot to me, honestly. You know, you, see, you get some of your favourite artists... In the future, anyway, you get some of your favourite artists actually being in support, and you want you wonder like, hmm, hmm, I can I, I can I can see this person headlining someday, you know what I mean? And you know, sometimes it works. So you know, I saw Diggable Planets, Corey Henry, and the Funk Apostles. Big up them. They were great. A lot pff, mad funky, honestly. Like the the key game that dude has is crazy. And then obviously it came to Lauren Hill. And oh, sorry. Boss DJ set by DJ Reborn. Big up DJ Reborn. She was she was great. That was a that was a good set to be fair. That was a good DJ set. So even though Lauren Hill was late, and I would have appreciated her coming obviously on time, as everyone else wants everyone else, you know, wants in life. Everything on time, it would have been nice. But the people that were on stage, I enjoyed. I can't believe I saw Diggle Planets. Oh, I need to see them. I need to see them at a smaller stage. I need to see them on a smaller stage, a more intimate stage, because I, I love Diggle Planets so much. But anyway, come into the show, and if you haven't been to a Lauren Hill show, or if you just don't know what she what she does during the show, it is not karaoke. Okay, obviously you go to some shows, and it's basically just straight up you might as well just play it off their phone and, you know, as karaoke, you know? They might as well just do that. Lauren Hill does not do that. I don't know why... The the, the big criticism that I've seen on social media from some people, which I find a bit stupid, is that, you know, and I saw people leave early, believe it or not. I don't, each to their own, but... Yeah, okay. And, you know, some of the things that people were saying were like, I didn't recognise the song until halfway through, stuff like that. And I'm kind of on the fence about that. I get it. And I did have that feeling. I was like, oh, 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 it's that. So, oh, oh, it's, um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously I got that feeling as well. But in a way, you could look at it as a positive sense, and say to yourself that it feels like new material, you know, we we have this, you know, obviously the f- phones, and filming with our phones, and posts, and you know, going on Facebook Live, oh, I'm a Lauren Hill, you know, some people do that, and yes, I did record some on my phone, you know, I do that for every concert and gig, whatever, you know, just a, just a couple times, not as often as most people, but you have to be in the moment, and in the moment, I feel like, in my mind, you know, you could put a positive spin on it, it felt like new material, it felt like it was purpose, the set was purpose-built for our ears in that arena, and only us, the, the, however the capacity, how much is the capacity of, you know, to arena, 80,000, whatever, 70,000, I don't know the number, but yeah, it felt like she did that set for us, and obviously she didn't, obviously she did it for the whole world tour, but it just felt more special to me, it felt a lot more special to me, but obviously people didn't see that way, they saw it as, oh, I didn't recognise the song until halfway through, well, I don't know what you want, you know, and in defence of Lauren Hill, you know, do you really, do you really expect her to be, to, to, you know, she's obviously a very 
soulful person. She needs to feel it. And, you know, I get that in some in some cases. Two and a half hours late is not the case. That's not it, Chief. But, you know, in terms of wanting stuff to be perfect, I get that. I really do get that. I understand that. Yeah, every, every, every creative wants their piece of work to be perfect. And sometimes it's never perfect. Writing, never perfect. No such thing. No such thing as a perfect perfect piece of writing. You know? Especially script-wise. But in terms of a concert, she tried. And to be fair, again, in the overall sense, she did an amazing show. You know, there were some technical difficulties, granted, but that wasn't obviously her, her fault. It was just to the technical side. You know, can't do anything about it. But honestly, I didn't even clock. I don't think most people clocked. Because everyone was just so freaking gassed that Lauren Hill was on time, well, on timing, so to speak. You know, not silly, not stupidly off time. You know, everyone was gassed. There were people standing up the whole way through, all 90 minutes. And that's another thing. She did a full show, 90 minutes. If you're not happy at the end of that, I can't, I can't help you. I really can't help you. She did a full set, and that's all that matters. She did most... Excuse me, she did most of the album, she did the Bob Marley cover, she did Killing Me Softly at the end, and it was great, it really was. I know people, some people just wanted, you know, just oh, just sing the songs, you know, but it's just, that's boring, let's be real. She kept it fresh, I don't mind fresh. You know, you can see, you can see it one way, but you can also see a more positive light. I don't know, but you know, I I saw the I saw I see Lauren Hill as a real as well miseducation, misunderstood. Honestly, in some cases, I I know I know again again two and a half hours is inexcusable, and her thing about being late, I I I don't subscribe to. And if you've read the Medium blog post that she did a few months ago, and she explained why. You know, I get it, I get what she's talking about, but there just comes a point where you're just straight up late and it's silly. Like, if you're over, if you're over half an hour late, that's just really silly. I'm, I'm sorry, like, I know, I know the perfectionism thing's a thing, but come on. Over half an hour is absurd. Absurd. And then one more thing about it. The price of it was 50 quid a ticket. I paid 90 quid for Kendrick Lamar, okay? I paid 30-something quid for Schoolboy Q at Brixton. I paid 50 quid a pop, me and my sister each, for Lauren Hill and Diggle Planets for me. Money well spent. Money well frickin' spent. 50 quid for Lauren Hill. Yep. Give me that. Give me that. Honestly... Give me that. If she obviously, obviously, we had a low bar, but she she surpassed it, and I'm happy. I'm happy. I came out of it happy. I was absolutely ecstatic. I saw Lauren Hill live, and that's a blessing to me. Honestly, that's a blessing to me. So yeah, big up Lauren Hill. It was an amazing show. Uh, I was, I was, I'm so glad I got that out of my system, honestly. I've been wanting to do this particular recording for this episode for so long. But anyway, let's move on to sport. Swift move on to sport. I want to talk about an opinion I've been having for a while. This won't be a this won't be a long segment, as, as long as the others. So I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it as short as possible. And basically, it all comes from one basically just one thought and one one sentence one sentence one opinion i think the nfl the national football league american football will die in less than 50 years so obviously 50 years is a long time i said this initially at super bowl 50 and that's obviously it's been a couple years since then so that's why i say less than 50 years now if you watch NFL or if you keep up with American sports, you know that there is some awkwardness as it pertains to watching and even consuming American football NFL. Obviously, there's been a lot of 
friction as it pertains to their attitudes towards domestic violence, any criminal activity in general, honestly, and obviously civil rights. But Colin Kaepernick really shined a light on the fact that they they are really, really, really corrupt. And obviously he's fighting a corruption lawsuit as we speak. And we need to know the result of that if he's been blackballed. By blackballed, that means he they they have cons- the whole league has conspired and the owners of the teams have conspired to not hire Colin Kaepernick, to not hire him as a quarterback, as the passer. And there's been there's been a lot, and also the concussion thing, and the, you know the long term health of American football players has been a real talking point. Obviously, in a few a couple of years ago, Will Smith did that film about concussion, uh, Bennett Marlu, and yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stories, and obviously a lot of stigma around playing around playing NFL, about around even consuming it and watching it. I, there's 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 not a sport there's not there's, there's obviously a lot of corrupt sports you know fifa is corrupt as hell the ioc in a way is corrupt as hell when you know athletics track and field russia in that russian doping that's still a absolute clusterfuck <laughs> you know there's there's a lot there's a lot of sports and organizations us gymnastics they gone they went bankrupt yesterday i think you know, they file for bankruptcy. So there's a lot of corrupt organisations in terms of sports. And also gambling and stuff like that. But NFL is just so different in terms of the social aspect. It's just... Uh, I, I, I know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a British guy just, you know, talking about NFL. And obviously my opinion don't mean much as it pertains to it. But th- th- there comes a point where... Something so toxic is just un. It's just un. You can't push it aside. You really can't push it aside. I I was I I asked this I asked this I, I want to ask this to like every American I meet that likes NFL or any British person that likes NFL. I'm just I just I just like I have to like ask questions just like. Do you wince every time a hit happens? Then are you really enjoying it? You know, there comes a point where, you know, you're watching something and it's just, and you know it's not, you know, it's, it's the smoking thing, you know, it's the smoking. Is you know, they try and do, they try and, uh, they've been trying to make the game safer and I like her sentence that, uh, Radio personality, but not Bamani Jones keeps saying it's like trying to make a cigarette healthy. At the end of the day, it's a cigarette, you know. So, in that in that case, it has to die. It really does have to die. There's a lot of the the, the social attitude towards NFL in America is really jarring to watch from afar. Just watching these people going, just cheering on, you know. And obviously, this is the case. This can be the case in football as well, and other sports. You know, domestic violence abusers and uh, abuses and other crimes such as that, heinous crimes, jail-worthy times. But people are just like, ah, he, but he can, but he can run a four-four-forty. But he can do a one-hand catch. But he can throw for three hundred yards. You know, it's it's a it's a bit jarring sometimes when you know I know NFL isn't the only sport that can that can be like this where we forgive people because they can do a sport. You know that happens a lot. That happens in a lot of sports, but in the NFL, there's just that the repercussions of even playing, the slave mentality, honestly, in ter- the slave owner mentality in terms of NFL owners of teams. It's jarring. It's all jarring, and it will die, honestly. Uh, It's the most popular sport in America, and I firmly believe it will die in 50 years. I know I haven't given the best reasoning or whatever, but I just just wanted to get my opinion out that it's going to (laughs) die. And I think it should, if, if if we're really being real. 
But I just wanted to get that out and actually move on to my last my last topic, which is film and television, obviously. And I want to talk about a film, a film in particular that is you know, obviously it's award seasons just coming. I can take it's on the tip of my tongue. I can taste it. Award season. Obviously, next episode, we're going to talk about the Golden Globe nominations. I have not forgotten about that. Obviously, they dropped, I think, yesterday or the other day. Grammy nominations are coming through. So, obviously, we'll talk about those next week for sure. Guarantee that. But I just want to talk about a particular film. One particular film that you'll hear about throughout the award season. And I will say this before I even, before I even begin. I have not seen the film. This is from stuff I have read from sources I trust and opinions I trust. And I kind of find it... A, I, I just find it a bit... Ugh, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So, the film I am talking about is called Green Book. Now, Green Book is about this putting it very bluntly is about this white guy in I think 60s America and he is taking around this amazing black artist smart as hell knows several languages like the most just the most brilliant person you know and basically it's, it's supposed to be like a a buddy not a buddy comedy like Rush Hour or anything like that but like a very a very hearty a buddy thing where like these two opposites are getting along basically that's kind of the vibe you get so i want to read from this review uh, on shadow and act so this is the review of green book and i'm going to read i'm going to go through a little bits of it i'm not going to read the whole thing cuz it's very lengthy and i will obviously put the links below and in the description so you can you guys can uh, read that as well the film supposedly gets its title from the green uh, the negro motorist green book an iconic black travel guide published from 1936 to 1966 by victor hugo green and his wife alma green green was a well connected black mailman whose green book documented restaurants hotels gas stations and more that black travelers and vacationers could safely use while traveling throughout the country from the segregated Jim Crow South to his hometown in New York City. City. The North was no safe space for black people and Green and his book show that. Carry your Green book with you, you may need it. The cover of the book urged its readers and carry, they did. Just not in this ahistorical film. In Farrelly's Green Book, black people don't even touch the Green Book, let alone talk about its vital importance to their lives. Instead, the film centers the story of a racist white man who makes an unlikely black friend on a journey through the American South and becomes slightly less racist. In this reverse driving Miss Daisy film, Vigo Mortensen stars as Tony Lip, an Italian-American bouncer hired to drive and protect Mahershala Ali's queer Jamaican American classical pianist Dr. Don Shirley on a concert tour from Manhattan down to the Deep South. The first mention of the Negro Motors Green Book in the film is when a white representative from Dr. Shirley's record company pulls Lip aside to hand him a copy and explain that Lip will need it to know where he can safely take Dr. Shirley on this trip down south. Quote from Farrelly, Three years ago, when we started writing this thing, no one knew about it. Not No one, obviously, but nobody I knew. White people didn't know about it, and I didn't know about it. And most people, uh, most of the black people I spoke with didn't know about it. And you still won't know about it after watching this movie, because Green Book, much like the film, only exists as a prop to enhance white understanding of white racism and white privilege in this country. So, you can see the problem here. As it pertains to the film... It's having this guy who... And the main character is the white guy. And you have this amazing character, this amazing black character here. And he's the supporting act. I actually saw, you know, not to spoil uh, the episode next week. But I did see that they got nominated for three Golden Globes. And best actor was Viggo Mortensen. And best supporting actor was Mahershala Ali. 
Just that alone makes me cringe. The, the fact they're not in the same billing. Um, on a press call about the Negro Motors Green Book with Maria Luriano, Associate Chief Librarian of the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, which holds the largest collection of green books in the country, Liriano strongly disputed this characterization to set shadow and act. Quote, I've never heard that. In the years that I've been working with researchers and scholars studying the green books, I have not encountered false advertising within the green books, so I don't think that was very accurate. I'm not saying that every single place was wonderful and fabulous that, that was listed in the green books, but I felt like they didn't do it justice in the film. They, you, you can't call a film green book and not talk about it. You know, it's a it's a prop. It's a it's a it's a it's a not a MacGuffin, but a, just just a prop. It's just a thing, and you titled the whole film that, as if the whole film is about the Green Book. They provided a subtitle here saying Herschel Ali deserved better. I'll continue from there. But while the real Green Books don't match the depiction in this film and the title doesn't match the premise of the film the movie poster most certainly is accurate mortensen is front and center on the poster and green book and green book is his star vehicle the brilliant ali and therefore dr shirley literally and figuratively takes a back seat the film opens with mortensen naming the stereotypical new york italian accent hey ma i'm joking and spends several minutes unfolding uh, unfolding his white working class enclave through his eyes at the Copacabana, where he works, we see his street-smart, hustling, tough-guy persona, which is softened only by his loving interactions with his wife and kids back home. After an uncomfortably long absence, Ali enters the picture about 20 minutes in, and it's dazzling. We see him as Dr. Shirley in this palatial, for Manhattan, apartment above Carnegie Hall, dressed like a king, surrounded by precious stones, statues, trinkets from around the globe, and sitting on a literal throne. This is, this is, this is, okay, this, I'm going to continue here. So instead, we get more mere glimpses of who the world-class black pianist with three doctorates was, as the story quickly pivots back to Lip, who has been invited to Dr. Shirley's home to interview the driver's position. Lip is desperate for money for his family, and the Copacabana is shut down for repairs, and through the eight-week, 125-per-week job is tempting. Lip makes clear that he's not going to be a black man's butler for any price, Dr. Shirley will have to handle his own bags, though if anybody needs roughing up, Lip is happy to oblige. The racist gets the job. They also have a subtitle here saying, Dr. Shirley deserved better. I keep circling back to Lip's racism because it baffles me that in 2018, Hollywood is still in the business of not only humanising racists, but letting racists like Lip tell stories about black people. Because Green Book is not just about Dr. Shirley for Lip's eyes, it's also about the everyday non-prodigy black people that Lip and Dr. Shirley encounter on their journey. When the odd pe- one couple hit the deep south and pull over the car to the side of the road, black sharecrop- yeah, black sharecroppers stop their toiling to stare at the finely dressed Dr. Shirley in his fancy Cadillac, being chauffeured by a white man. What are they thinking when they look at him as the camera holds on their tired faces? They don't actually speak, so we'll never know. But considering the ho- hopeful tone that always accompanies a film where a white raises befriends a black person but does nothing to help end structural racism... I'd speculate that Farrelly sought to convey two points with this scene. First, aspirational black black pride. Look at the rich black man doing well. One day, he could, this could be us. Second, that Dr. Shirley is a special guy. Excuse me, but a special kind of black person. He is without doubt quite different from these black sharecroppers, as well as the black bellboys and valets who stand outside and shoot craps while Dr. Shirley performs with it for rich white audiences. Lip, on the other hand, is closer to black people and black culture than Dr. Shirley could ever be, Lip suggests. Lip, who, is, <laughs> who has a sixth grade education, shoots craps and wins with the black workers. <sighs> I could go on. This is a very great review. A very lengthy review. And it, it gives me a clear picture of what this film is. And I want to watch it. I, I say all that to say I want to watch it for myself. You know, but I've only seen two articles, well, three articles technically, two from Shadow and Act and one from IndieWire, where they see the they see through this, you know, glossy tone that they have put through this, uh, put for this film. I find this, you know, just from the face of it, it sounds lazy. From a conceptual perspective. 
from a writing perspective, it just sounds lazy to me that you put this Italian-American racist guy, you know, we've seen that. We've seen that before. We have seen that. And we have also seen, you know, the magical black person. And obviously that's also quite a negative. You know, you think of... Michael Clark Duncan's character in The Green Mile, literal, literally the black magic person. Uh, you could go as far as saying Red from The Shawshank Redemption, and that's one of my favourite films of all time. Obviously, you can, obviously, you can, you can put him in that category if you really want to, but I, I don't consider it because they obviously, they're both on a, on in that film, Shawshank Redemption, they are on a level footing. Red and Dufresne are the, you know, they're they're friends, they're equals, and obviously in this case they're not. In Michael Clark Duncan's case in Green Mile, they're obviously not. Not equals, that's the difference. It's lazy to put this guy on front and centre when you have this absolutely amazing story on the back seat. This black guy with doctorates. Fucking jazz pianist. That is so many... that That is an amazing story. Oh, sorry, I emailed the, I elbowed the uh, table, because I'm putting my elbows next to the mic, and I'm just rubbing the sides of my head right now, because it doesn't, Hollywood and, you know, just creative arts in general, especially Hollywood, they always say they're hungry for these stories, always hungry for these original stories or these biopics about great people and then they go and do shit like this where on the face of it it just looks so lazy you're just putting this guy in front and center basically just and and I don't even want to talk about the racial implications to this it's just like saying Oh, he's 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 slightly less racist at the end of the film. He's still fucking racist at the end of the film, according to the review. That what what is that is that a success? Reminds me of that Malcolm X uh, video that I saw that I've, that I've seen a couple of times where like um he says, if 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 you get stabbed in the back and they only uh, eight inches and they only take it out four, is that progress? No, it's not. And this isn't, this isn't progressive. I love Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, keep buttering his name. I love him. Absolutely love him. Everything he's done so far, I've loved. Moonlight, House of Cards. He's in True Detective now. I'm going to watch that. I didn't watch it before, but I'm going to watch it now. Because <laughs> I love Mahershala Ali. But this film is just, I feel bad for him, because this film is so backwards. You have this amazing story on the back seat, and you put this dumbass front and center. Absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. I cannot wait to watch this film. I really cannot. I really do. I, you know, I'm saying I'm saying all this, but I really want to watch the film to see for myself because you know I can't I can't go off other people's opinions. I am right now, but I want to see it. I want to see it for myself and draw my own conclusions. But from the from what I've seen, even in reviews, they're quite confusing. Shadow and Act is the only, you know, black diaspora film and TV arts, you know, website where they review films like this, you know. And obviously, the majority of American and British film critics are white men or white women but mostly white men. And obviously their reviews, if you read those, they're glistening. They're glistening. But you see these couple of reviews, and also there's an IndieWire article as well that I was going to reference, but I won't now. Where they, you know, they see they see this. They see they see the under underpinning, and it's just... I can't, I can't, I can't really say that it's just... Again, I need to see it. But, just on the face of it, from a conceptual standpoint, it's lazy, and it's kind of sad, 
that you get you, that people go like, oh, I want to tell these stories. I want to tell these original, these great stories, and then you put this bullshit in front on the plate. Like it's it's stupid. You can't name a film Green Book and have the green book, the actual Green Book mentioned once. Stupid. And you have this amazing character behind you. And then you put him in front. I don't know. But hey. That's been What's Good. Episode 3. Hope you've enjoyed it. Because this has been, this has been a very, very cathartic. This is why I enjoyed doing the pod, podcast. And obviously the radio show beforehand. Because this is where I can just talk my talk my ish. Because I've been wanting to obviously talk about my week my past couple of weeks, I've been wanting to talk about Lauren Hill, and I've especially wanted to talk about that Green Book, Green Book film, I've especially wanted to talk about that, so, this episode's been very cathartic for me, obviously, very, um, <laughs> a very release, just, just an emotional release, and I fit, and I feel so much better now, so I appreciate you for listening, um, if you have any, again, if you have any thoughts, opinions on what I've said, if you think NFL's gonna go on for another thousand years, if you've seen green, if you've seen Green Book, tell me, tell me, tell me if you like it first, and then tell me if you see what I'm what I'm talking about here. If you see through the bollocks, basically, <laughs> do you see through the bollocks? If you have seen the film, let me know. But yeah, if you have any other opinions or whatever, if you just uh, follow, just just hit up the site. Um, all descriptions for the socials will be below and yeah that's um i I always appreciate dialogue so uh, so big ups for that i'm gonna try and start the regular programming on every thursday now obviously it's uh as of today it's friday and i'll probably drop it tomorrow uh, drop this episode tomorrow so obviously a new one coming on friday friday thursday thursday hopefully and we can continue on from that on a weekly basis and keep it moving so yeah this has been from the fifth friend podcast network this has been moscow with charlie taylor take it easy ladies and gentlemen Oh, good you're still listening congratulations you are actually listening to a what's good extra uh, i'm gonna look at might as well just call it that what's good extra because you know i've had i have a lot of thoughts that i like to that i like to express but i can't really stretch it out into a full segment like i do with the others so for this i just wanted to do a little extra little extra slice for you guys and basically just give some more th- more quicker thoughts and I'm going to try and do it in two minutes and fifty-one seconds every time, or short, or shorter. Because why two? Why two minutes fifty-one seconds? Is because it's the length of the Booker T and MG song "Green Onions." So without, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm bringing it back. So without further ado, let's start the stopwatch. Go. So I want to also talk about Cardi B and Offset split up because. Who saw that coming? Wow, I I really thought they were in this for the long. <laughs> I can't I can't keep serious about this because it is such bollocks. I love it. It's such bollocks. Did you if you if you thought these guys were really relationship gold, you're you're dumb as shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're, you're dumb as shit. Like understand where Cardi B has come from, right? She 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 initially started her rise to fame so to speak of the love and hip-hop scene okay and with those kind of reality shows sometimes they are asked as the cast from the producers to do stuff that you know they wouldn't do in their regular lives but for drama and for the show for the numbers for the views they do dumb shit one of these things is have a child okay now I'm not saying Cardi and Offset had a child 
strictly for clout <laughs> or anything like that because obviously they have enough clout they don't need a child but the, 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 the fact that they had this relationship for like a, I don't know less than a year and they had a baby in the interim is crazy to me and I, I did not expect obviously this relationship to, to last at all and the last thing I want to talk about is obviously Kevin Hart recently he was uh, given the uh, the, the, the the hit up to host the Oscars and obviously he and as of today actually as of this recording he's recently uh, taken himself out of the running because obviously some people caught some homophobic remarks that he did on Twitter about 10 years ago and he didn't apologise for it good on him and he relinquished the position all I have to say without talking about the homophobia is that good because I, I wasn't going to watch I, I, I can't I can't watch Kevin Hart anymore in life in general just can't do it can't do it so if, I'm, I'm glad he ain't hosting the Oscars in all honesty I don't care about the other stuff I'm just talking about the quality of his comedy not here for it so yeah this has been What's Good Extras see you next episode